0: You're listening to the PR Wind Down Podcast, the show for public relations professionals who are ready to see real change in the PR industry. We are your hosts, April White and Laura Schooler. Let's get ready to wind down. Laura Schooler? Yes. How are you and your eyes? What's happening with these with the glasses and the eyes?
1: I always thought I would do a clockwork orange. Why? Oh, could you imagine having your your eyes pinned open?
0: I can't. I don't want to. Why are you making me Did you ever
1: see a clockwork orange?
0: Mm, A very long time ago. (laughs) What have you been watching? Dahmer? Oh yeah, I had my dad watch oh. the
1: whole thing. We watched. You did whole, not powered through the whole thing in two days. Yeah. Oh my god, you watched this. You watched it again. The second time. Yeah. Third about. You've watched it three times. Yeah, like two point seven eight times.
0: You're like, I'm never gonna watch
1: that. Just kidding. I know three it and a just, half times. Well, you know the guy who played Jeffrey Dahmer when I was watching it. I was like, I'm sure this is a cool actor that I just don't know because I don't know anything anymore. And in fact, he is. But he won a Golden Globe for it. So he's really good. Truly is, yeah.
0: I finally finished Better Call Saul, so I'm with the times. (laughs) You're like, Uh, I just watched Seinfeld. I did, like, a few years ago.
1: I did watch some of that movie, Everything, All the Time, that's got, I don't know, it's like, All the Things, All the Time, here and now.
0: Everything, Everywhere, All at Once? Yes,
1: that one. Okay.
0: The adventurous sci-fi film.
1: It was really out there, sort of like reminiscent of being John Malkovich, where you're like, what is going on? Oh, I love that. Yeah. With Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And Jenny Slate. It's interesting just because it's kind of cuckoo. I have really no idea what was going on. Huh. Michelle Yeoh, and then the guy who played, you know, uh, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, the little... Asian kid back in the day is now grown up and he also won a golden globe for it. And he was so over the moon that he has like a second chapter of his acting career now. I
0: love it. Really great. A middle-aged Chinese immigrant is swept up into an insane adventure in which she alone can save existence by exploring other universes and connecting with the lives she could have led. Oh, is that what was going on?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's out there, man. I mean, the editing, if if they don't win anything else, I don't even know if they were nominated for editing, but they must be, because, you know, when you see stuff like that, you got the art and the, and pull, executing this kind of thing is quite amazing that people are able to do it. Then there's cool. other movies. You're like, oh my God, this is such a piece of crap, like whatever, but.
0: <laughs> How do you really feel, Laura? Uh, well, it sounds like my kind of movie. I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah. Okay, should we move into something PR related? (laughs) Um, That was PR
1: related. I used to do PR for the Oscars.
0: Oh, okay. All right, I'll give it to you. So Laura, we have a horror story to read. Are you excited? So excited. Do you want to do the honors? Do you want me to read it? I don't think
1: I've read one for a while. Let's do it. Do not open until podcast. Well, it is the podcast, so I've opened it. Here I go. Hi, (laughs) love your podcast. Mine is not really a story yet. It's more of a question. Question is, should I do this or not? Here's what's happening. I work at a decent sized PR firm. It's not massive, but we are in kind of a niche space. Niche, niche, niche Niche. space. So we are big for what we do and compared to our competitors. I am an account manager. There are some micromanaging tendencies with the leadership here. So I do my best to do well in my job and to make a paper trail to prove I have done well at my job just in case. I learned that the hard way at another firm. Anyway, they are rolling out a new process where we are going to have to rate all of our agency leadership. Uh Uh-oh. On a list of personality traits and performance markers. Oh my god. It's things like on a scale of one to ten, how trustworthy is Diane? No. The XX director. <gasps> no. On a scale of one to ten. How impactful is Joe, the XX no. lead at Media Relations? Etc. It's the same list of questions for all of the senior team, including my CEO. Allegedly, we are going to do this at the end of every quarter. To help the leadership team hone their effectiveness, and the survey is supposed to be treated as anonymous unless there are any concerns. No. My alarm bells are going off here. If I rate someone low and submit the form through my company email, I can't imagine not facing questions or retaliation. We are strongly encouraged not to give straight 10s. Should I just lie on the form and give everyone a 10 out of 10? I think it's a trap. I have until the end of this quarter to figure it out. What would you do? Oh my God. Oh my God. They should have a web form that's anonymized.
0: Yes. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. Yes. Also, you do have to keep in mind if you're making comments, even the writing style. Right. Will be traced back to you. We actually, (laughs) we we had an anonymous feedback thing. And then one of the people based on their feedback, it was like very clear who it was. And so we were like, do we just, cause we wanted to have a conversation about it and be like, Hey, so how can we fix this? Right. And so it's like, do you just tell her like, so basically that's what we do. Like, so we got your feedback, <laughs> We <just laughs> but like, and it wasn't bad. It wasn't negative, but it's like, you do have to know even when it is anonymized, right. They're still going to know what she would maybe want to chat with you about it, which isn't because they're upset with you but it might still lead to an awkward conversation where you have to explain in more detail why you had this reaction to XYZ leader, right? Right. Um. So that can happen. And then, but you can't give all tens because then you look lazy and like you didn't do it and you don't want to, you know, you're not actually participating. Then you're going to get talked to as well.
1: Right. So my first comment is, how about they just don't do it? And don't fill it say- out? No, the company should not be doing this, asking their employees to fill Well, this no, out. but
0: the employee can't say that, can they? Right. So so assuming that- Unless they say I'm not comfortable selling this out unless you anonymize the system. Right.
1: Then Which I think second, you could
0: say. The second thing is doing it once a quarter is a
1: lot. It's too much. Like twice a year at the most.
0: People and, don't even change that fast. Like right. And of-
1: third, why doesn't the company just- I don't know. Talk to their employees. Why are we doing like surveys and putting all this more administrative duties on top of it? Unless
0: it's like, but if you're just submitting feedback via email from your email, it makes no sense.
1: Right. And then who's getting this feedback and who's analyzing this feedback. And it's just a lot of like red tape and stuff. I mean, just have chats with your like grownups. All right. So, so that's what I think. However, Let's say that this is not changing. You're going to have to email it in. It's going to be once a quarter and that's that. Uh, No, don't just give 10 out of 10s. Give nine out of 10s. No. I
0: would mix it up between seven and 10, but not get anybody anything less than seven. Right.
1: And only, I would say, give lots of positive feedback. And if you have a serious problem with somebody's behavior, then you have to bring it up. Whenever, not at the time of the survey, you need to bring it up tomorrow because, you know, Bob is racist or Sue is, you know, lazy and doesn't do any work. Like, you know, why are we doing a survey about this? Very strange. It's it's just another process and procedure that isn't going to be very useful and that needs to be handled in a different way. So my advice to you, if you have to do it, be more positive than anything. Don't lie. And if you really have an issue with somebody, you need to take it to leadership, not on the survey, but in person.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And maybe before you hand in the survey, hey, got the survey, got me thinking, I'd rather just have a conversation with you about Sally. Can we do that? I mean- Give your managers the benefit of the doubt. They might actually want to improve. I know I do. Maybe they do actually want candid feedback on how they can improve. But well, right. Do it. But don't but do still it on be gentle. Form. Yeah, not exclusively on the form. Have a chat. Yes. Yeah, or just manage up. Junior better. people are going to be
1: <laughs> so afraid to do this. Senior people don't need to do it because they're already talking about issues. It just doesn't. Who who is this like helping? Nobody. Yeah. And that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) Okay, Forrest.
0: (laughs) All right. With that, I would like to introduce today's interview segment, who is actually, surprise, Karen Warner and Carly Martinetti, who were on our last podcast as guests, who are the founders of Notably PR. They are the mother-daughter duo that joined us for that interview And the conversation was so much fun that we actually decided to split it into two parts. So this is part two of the interview with Carly and Karen. If you want to hear part one, which is all about their founder story and how they work together as a mother-daughter duo, please go to our last interview. It was amazing. You can learn more about them and notably PR at notablypr.com. I know we've been putting guys on the hot seat. Do you have any questions for us?
2: I have a question. Are you seeing a lot of haggling from clients price-wise. Yeah. Like when you go and you give them what your services are, do they come back and they, you know, want major discount because they're startups or do they want you to reduce your terms because they don't know if they can commit to PR? Is that something you're seeing all the
3: time?
0: It's gotten a bit more heightened in the last six months as the economy has started to get iffy Mm -hmm. and people are looking for deals every way they can I've also been running into less of this than I used to when we were officially, you know, a startup and had a lot of startup clients and we're more heavily in that space, but there's a lot of firms that are offering guarantees. Yes. Um. And so there's, there's an awful lot of that too, where I'm still getting people that say, you know, Hey, can you offer a guarantee? We'll pay mm-hmm. you per piece of coverage.
1: Oh God, like, really? Uh, yeah. Yes.
0: And, and I talked to a firm recently, actually, that is doing that and not doing anything with pay to play. A lot of them are doing those shady things where they buy up, you know, a big block of placements and then use them, or they have contributors from in-house that are writing articles and things (laughs) like that. (laughs) So there's a lot of that going on, which is, is making the industry very muddy. And I think confusing clients Mm -hmm. on what, what we do and the value of it. And they want, you know, those kinds of weird guarantees. So I'm seeing that. Yeah. And then I'm also seeing the, well, no, no, I understand your minimums are six months, but you know, we're, we're to start up. We need to start, you know, three months would be more and more, more and more comfortable. Mm-hmm. We still, we want to stay with you for six, but mm-hmm. then at the end of three, they've they already, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. they want, or, just- or they're like, or they're like, well, we don't have the results yet to like, mm-hmm. are we going to have yeah. results by the end of three months to be able to continue? And you're like, her, the original conversation. Yeah. Like, I told you it takes six months for all the things to blossom in the flower bed. Like, it's not like you plant the bulbs and mm-hmm. it still yeah. takes an amount of time before they all spring out of the ground. Like, that mm-hmm. doesn't yeah. just because you decide to stop at three months doesn't mean all of them gonna sprout faster. Like, that's not, <laughs> how that works. I think like, it comes down to that most people
3: don't understand what it takes and what yeah. PR is all about. Carly, yeah. friend, I was just talking about this earlier and you know back in my day we didn't take on accounts unless they had a year contract you know the world has kind of evolved unfortunately mm-hmm. and we're actually yeah. so nimble that we don't demand anything except a 60 day termination at any time the reason we do that is cuz we always feel that we're so good of course they're going to want to stay with us but i think what the flip side to that is they imagine everything like you say april is going to flower and bloom in you know three to six months and you really it's not fair it's not a good use of their money it's not a good use of Mm -hmm. our relationships and our time and our creativity and and the onboarding process and all of that i don't do this anymore but i used to say to clients i don't know why i stopped but (laughs) i used to say look put a year's worth aside. You should have a year's worth of budget, whatever yes. the retainer is. Say the retainer is 10000 Put $120,000 away. That should be your PR budget. That's what you need to do in mm-hmm. order to really make it worthwhile for you. If you don't feel like you can do that, it's probably not a good place for you to be. And I haven't mm-hmm. been saying that lately, but I probably should go back to it because it is the way we work. It is the way the client is going to succeed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost
3: like they feel Carl and I were talking about this, like we're shysters, like we just want to take yeah. the money. Right. Um, no. <laughs> you
2: know, it's like they're very well they're I haven't adversarial it. about it. Yeah, I've seen it yet. not everyone. I'm not saying no. everyone. I'm just saying I've But when know, they are,
1: like, this is the issue.
2: Yeah, there's been this like heightened sense of like aggression, I feel like, on business calls we've been having with yep. you know, prospective clients where they're like, either they had a really bad experience within another firm, which I get, yep. but then they bring it to the table and it's just like they're it's cool. on you to prove like it. you. Like, yeah. and you're like, we haven't even started. I anything. didn't do that. Yeah. I didn't do well,
0: that.
1: And the other thing is, I have was, there, was there bad experience with the PR firm? Because they didn't understand right. how PR worked. And they're going to be oh, the okay. same way to every PR firm, right? Or you know?
2: they had a very low retainer, which had mm-hmm. really poor people doing the work. Yeah. And then yeah. they're also, on the other hand, saying... We also want that same low retainer, but better results.
1: Right. But I want you two to work all day, every day on it. Right.
2: So it's like, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too (laughs) in that sense.
1: I had two things. One is I did do a pay per piece placed a couple of years ago with a very low budget client. And I was doing it half as a favor, half because I knew that I could get it. What this is what happened. You know that the the end of the story is not a happy ending. Yeah, no
3: good deed goes unpunished. No,
1: <laughs> what happened was I got more than one story with like the same publication, yeah. uh-huh. and the client said, "Oh well, it's only one." He got the second story. Mm-hmm. You didn't get the second story, and I said, "But what do you mean you got it?" They. After, you know, the first interview, they went and they started talking directly to the reporter and didn't tell me. They took my, you know, my contact Contact. that they had never heard of this reporter in their life and started Mm -hmm. doing it themselves and they wouldn't pay me for it. So I I said, I said, okay you know, knock whatever amount of money off, pay me what you owe me. And they did. And I said, okay, bye. Mm -hmm. That's why you don't get paid for peace. There's always ways to like twist it. Then yeah. the other thing recently, I've been working on you know, much bigger clients, and what I think that I see happening is they're not as much trying to change or use lower retainers, but they're trying to get a lot more work mm-hmm. out of the team yes. without paying more. Uh-huh.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh-huh. That's why we times. have the. That's why we have the point system in place.
1: Well, right. Why? Well, so I'm, cause this is not working for What's April. I do a lot system? of stuff.
0: So, Laura knows about this. I put yeah. a point system in place. I'll try to keep this kind of short, but essentially gamifies clients' retainer. So, every month, based on their retainer, they get a set number of points to spend. Every point is worth $500. And then all the activities that we do have point allocations. Hmm. So, within that, they can have a, se- a certain number of byline articles, pitch angles, press releases, white papers, whatever it is that they need done, thought leadership, speaking engagements. Award submissions, whatever, right? All those things have different point allocations. And then they have a set level of them. So if they want to do, we basically at the start of every month say, this is what we recommend doing for your points.
1: And your management fee, right? You're- and your man-
0: the management fee is a piece of it. So like, there's like an ongoing management fee that's incorporated. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, like, here's what we recommend doing. Anything that you want to, you know, add, change, swap, whatever, get their sign-off. So before we start any work, they've already agreed, yes, this is what we want you to do with our budget this month. And then if there's something that comes up in the middle of the month, if we haven't started an activity, we can swap it out. Otherwise, we just borrow points from the next month or wait till the next month. And so it's mm-hmm. a way of making sure that they don't get- Or tell seven. them
1: that you can add it, but it's three points and you have to pay us another $1,500, right?
2: Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Never heard that
0: before. No, I never so, did either. Yeah, no, I, I started it. Actually, my brother was was the one that had the idea for me when I was expressing some pain points and it, it works really well because, well, for two reasons. When prospects who want more for less and don't want to have to pay for what they're actually getting hear about the point system, it weeds them out. So mm-hmm. they're gone. Because like you already know, they're going to push the boundary, and they're not going to like having yeah. guidelines or guide rails or you know, like yeah. a matrix in place. And then the other piece of it is just that it makes sure that we have their buy-in and everything, so the team can push back without pushing back because there's a matrix in place. So if there's something that's above and beyond or overservicing, it's it's you don't have to say sorry, that's out of scope. You just say, Oh, cool. Okay. We'll add that. Do you want to switch points or do you want to add points or you want to borrow points? Mm -hmm. So then it's like up to them. So it becomes more of a conversation and anybody on the team is then empowered to be able to say, you know, this is, this is in scope or out of scope without it feeling like pushback, you know, or aggression or like now you've gone too far, you know, (laughs) because that's without that in place, that's how I used to feel. Mm-hmm. And it would just be like, oh God, I don't want to have this conversation where it's like, why am I suddenly telling them that this, we can't write five bylines a month? Right. Because we you have nothing
1: that- to like fall back on. It's a little bit of an amorphous discussion, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Well, we just need you to do this to get what we need to get done. And you're like, oh,
3: okay, I guess.
1: Right. Yeah.
3: I have another just quick question if it's quick. Yeah, um, yeah, of course. Besides, and we've talked April, so besides media relations, thought, leadership, is there another area? that is an incremental area for you that you're seeing traction in?
0: Like- so we, I can't remember if I told you, but we actually added integrated marketing. So oh, we're yeah, a full, a full services that, start, yeah, starting starting okay. this year. We're still mostly doing that though for clients that come to the table as startups mid-size who okay. think that PR is the next step, but when you look at their holistic needs, that's not quite true. And so usually it's more of a, okay yeah, let's do your PR, but maybe we should fix the website first, Mm -hmm. or maybe we should get your messaging and positioning down, right? So what I didn't like was just taking on a client that I could see needed other help, Mm -hmm. but just taking their money for PR, knowing that if they just did these two other things, then they'd be in a better position for PR. Mm -hmm. So instead of doing that, now I'm able to say, let's get this piece right. Let's redo the logo first, or maybe the name isn't quite right. (laughs) Like let's get that right. And then let's do PR right based on that. So, but I would say at the moment thought leadership is, as you know, it's taken off and then some because of the pandemic and the layoffs and and all of that. So a lot of pitches now are being requested in the form of bylines Mm -hmm, instead of the journalist doing the article. So the ability to turn out Meaningful content has really gone through the roof. And I think that I'm seeing clients be slightly more, I don't want to say demanding, but their expectations for your team being able to channel the tone of voice, the expertise, Mm -hmm. and the sort of brand essence in writing has gone up a lot. So I'm feeling the need for really good content creators and writers. The big catch of it, I think, is clients that think, okay, you do PR in our industry there for your experts on our industry, and we shouldn't have to give you any information for the byline. And that's where things get really tricky because Mm -hmm. like, well, we still need to channel your brain. We can't, yes, we know how to do PR in your space, but that doesn't mean that we can. Right. We're not
3: instant experts.
0: We're not instant experts on the thing you've been doing for 40 years. Like that's Mm -hmm. not, a reasonable replacement and also
1: (laughs) when it's something that's being written about like what's coming in the future well i don't know what you think that's coming in the future you need to tell me at least that and then we can the predictions right yeah Yeah.
0: so so that's that's a bit tricky so then getting the processes in place here's some ideas for bylines which ones Mm -hmm. do you like great now let's do an abstract. Cool. Mm-hmm. Do you like this abstract? Okay, great. Now let's do an outline. Here's the outline for the byline, right? Cool. Now let's do the interview with the SME based on the outline. You know, we've been getting more and more sort of process oriented around it to make sure that we don't put together something that then the client says, this is all wrong and, you know, start over. Cause that's a really quick way to get clients to lose faith in you is to turn in a piece of writing that they don't. Feel like can stand behind, <laughs> like ah. So, and not everybody in PR is a great writer, unfortunately. Which is this is how it goes. So we can't expect everybody to be great at everything. But that just means we need to have great writers. That's like the before, one thing behind the, I the look scenes for
2: when we're hiring is if they're it's really great good writing.
0: Writers.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's like the biggest for indicator sure. to me that they're going to be good in PR. It's not that they've even come from PR backgrounds. It's just that they're good writers.
3: Well, today everything is email you know, or social media. And, you know, back in my day, you had to be good on the phone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Nobody calls anybody anymore.
1: No, Um, nobody's at their desk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Cell phones. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we used to pitch on the phone. I mean, you know, that was how we pitched. We pitched on the phone. Oh, I,
0: I know. Laura and I were around during those days. That was a lot Faxing press releases, that's what I always say. Fax, faxing press releases. Did you get, did you faxing, get the, we, we faxed releases. the release, did you
1: get the fax? No, yeah. okay, I'll refax fax it.
0: <laughs> Not
3: that long ago, actually. No,
1: spent uh, hours um, doing my fax, you didn't get the fax. Mailing okay, the press
3: releases, I had a clerk, that's all she did, was fold and put it in the envelope, put a stamp, you know, and mail out, you know, 50, 60 press releases.
1: I love it. I mean, um, and then the news doesn't get to them for, you know, two,
0: three, it four matters. days. The news Hilarious. cycle was
3: like the Hilarious. Pony Express,
0: you know. <laughs> That's work. There's no internet. so. I love it. Awesome. Thank you both so much for your time. We really appreciate it and are super excited to stay in touch and, and hear yeah. how things go with the mother daughter powerhouse duo.
2: Sounds good. Thank you. Thank for, <laughs> for having us. It was
0: a Thanks pleasure. so much. Thanks so much for joining. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. How much fun are they, Laura? Aren't they cute? The mother-daughter duo? I know. It just
1: reminds me of
0: how unlikely that would ever
1: happen with me and my mother as I head center. Not like in a bad way. It's just, there's just, I, can you imagine? I would make my mother cry probably not before long.
0: You're hilarious. I Not, not on purpose. There are not very many mothers and daughters that could pull that off. Right. I'm very, That's very good. impressed. Very, very yeah. impressed. Must have a very strong relationship. At any rate. On that note, thank you again for tuning in for the PR Down podcast. Thank
1: you to Karen and Carly for joining us for that great interview.
0: Remember to submit your own agency stories and questions and share our show with your friends and colleagues. If you subscribe and leave us a rating, it will also help us reach new listeners like you. And
1: yes, if you have an anonymous PR horror story of your own, send it our way at the contact email below the episode notes. Can't wait to
0: wind down with you again next time. Uh, but I want to talk about it now. Have you seen that Jim Gaffigan bit?
1: Oh uh, no, but that was a good impression of him.
0: <laughs> he has this bit where he talks about how he watched the movie Heat. And it's like his friends are like, You made the movie from like forever ago from wait, like you, the 90s? You,
1: you said that you we talked about this before. Did we? We've okay. had this conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: But I want We're to talk about, about it now. <laughs> We're self-referencing. <laughs> that's how, that's that's how so big famous. we think we are. You have to self-referential. Self-reference. Yeah, I love it.